Lewis, and this is NFL Inside Report. The Green Bay Packers have won the NFC North in every season with Matt LaFleur as their head coach, earning the number one seed in the postseason this year and getting set for another matchup with the San Francisco 49ers. Meanwhile, the rest of the North didn't make the playoffs, and now two franchises are starting from scratch. New GMs, new head coaches coming in Minnesota and Chicago, and our Stacey Dales is here to talk about all of it with us. And Stacey, I know you're going to be covering that 49ers-Packers game, and look, I know the temps. I know you love them. It wouldn't be a Stacey Dale's appearance at Lambeau Field without some negative degrees or zero degree temps. Am I right? That's exactly correct. Can I tell you what I just did, Rhett? Please. I literally just jumped on Amazon yesterday and I bought heaters, infrared heaters for my crew because we're going to be at Lambeau on Saturday morning. We're going to be there from, well, I'll get there around 645, 7 until 10.30, but we're going to be reporting until about 4 in the afternoon. So I did buy two heaters for my crew. So Good we'll for see you. Stacey <laughs> Dale's right there. Re- reporter of the year uh, yeah. with, that, with that move. Uh, that, that's the quickest way to the crew's heart right there. Food and, and warmth. That's right. Uh, so that's, that's good work. Um, it, look, this is an interesting matchup for a lot of reasons. Let's start with the fact that it might feature the return of some key players for the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, we saw David Bakhtiari come back week 18. I know the, the Packers are hoping to have Jair Alexander and Zedarius Smith. How do you judge the potential impact of those returns for a team that has actually done pretty well without them? They have, which is why Matt LaFleur has been just so impressive. The way he's kept this thing together, despite some of the adversities along the way. I think, for me, seeing a a player like David Bakhtiari, who returned in Week 18, uh, 27 snaps against the Lions, they've been trying to like slowly sort of coddle him back, if you will, Rhett. And I like the plan they've had. The guy had an ACL less than a year ago. Um, They've been extremely conservative with him, but to get those reps in Week 18, along with Josh Myers, another starter there on that offensive line, Billy Turner getting healthy again, another knee injury. So plagued with knee injuries, but they're getting healthy. And gosh, this is one of the best left tackles in football. Aaron Rodgers loves him. I don't anticipate if he plays a lot, Rhett, I don't anticipate any drop off there in terms of responsibilities and keys with the offensive line. Um, And then defensively, they're also getting extremely healthy uh, to not see Zadarius Smith all year long with the back injury. Literally, he played one game. Right. It's going to be for him about unleashing the beast, right? Because that's what he does. He comes off the edge and he hits the quarterback. Second and one, 15 seconds left. And Ryan will be dropped. Sacked by Zadarius Smith. But to add Jair, I think, is the big one on the back end. Yeah. He had, a, he had an interception, actually, against the Niners back in week three when they played and the Packers won that game. Garoppolo going deep on first down into double coverage and is picked off. Alexander, and he's back into 49 territory and is inside the 40 and tackled at about the 31 yard line. What a play that time by Jair Alexander. There was nobody in his zone, so you're going to see him go all the way across the field and make the play. As soon as the receiver on his side ran that dig route, that in cut, it freed him up, and with the kind of speed he has, he just ran it down. This was a good looking play, it's a good looking throw. But Alexander just beat him there. Uh, he is just another instinctual, phenomenal player. And their secondary has been awesome. Turnover laden. 
all season long. They have just been a nemesis to deal with. Rasul Douglas has been phenomenal. High snap again. End zone and picked off. Intercepted by Rasul Douglas. And the Packers are going to win it. But I think, right, I mean, you played. You you understand when you get back to your full strength, it gives you a little mental edge, too. Oh, yeah. So I think that could be a big part of it as well. And then this this matchup just in general is super intriguing, right? The 49ers go from one of those, you know, one of those historic playoff matchups with the Cowboys in round one. They win. And now they get another one a little bit more recently. Um, it's been even more interesting specifically for the 49ers who have had all the success in this matchup in the playoffs recently. Rodgers has never beaten the 49ers in the postseason. Uh, Matt LaFleur obviously lost to Kyle Shanahan in the championship game in 19, uh, his first year. So I mean, look, they all mean a ton at this stage in the game, but like, it feels like there might be a little bit extra when, when these two teams get together in the postseason. You're spot on. You're spot on. Because that week three game was like that. Okay. Right. I had the Packers the first two weeks. Their, their, their awful performance, three-point performance against the Saints and then Detroit on Monday night football, and then they go to San Francisco. They beat Detroit, go to San Francisco. After that game, Rodgers was oddly emphatic at that stage like you know it's week three it's like uh, that was a major growth moment for us it felt like in the locker room today that we finally had the energy that i've been waiting to see and uh before the game it wasn't uh, the type of energy we had in jacksonville but i knew we needed a spark and the energy in the locker room post game that felt like a win you know it felt like there was such a growth moment for us. And I'm really, really happy for the guys to feel that. And, you know, it feels like, okay, now we're on our way. He talked about they, they beat us twice in 2019. They beat us up twice in 19. Those were tough, tough ones. You know, tough. Yeah, the road trip out west from Green Bay is always tough. But it feels a lot better when you're going back to a win. So he remembers everything. His recall is fascinating. And listen. I, he's in a zone. I'm like, I mean, I asked him about it this week and he called it a flow state. I'm sorry. Not what? zone, flow state. I think what you want to do is have that flow state be a continual thing. Uh, the flow state is kind of the words that we've used to talk about being in the zone, whatever, whatever that means. It's, it's, it's really when you're playing your best and the game seems to slow down a little bit. It's a flow state for Aaron Rodgers. And there's so many variables. I I need to, you know, dig into that a little (laughs) bit more. But he's been in a flow state all year long. And I don't care about the rivalry. I don't care about the matchups. I just think he is dialed in and look out because he really has played remarkably. You can put all of the things you think about the guy on the side, whichever way you think, listeners. But he's been phenomenal on the field. No, absolutely. And look, he's in contention to be an MVP for the fourth time in his career, which is which is pretty rare air uh, for, you know, for <laughs> players. Obviously, you've got, you know, Peyton Manning up there with five um, and and, you know, Rogers certainly in striking distance of that mark. But, you know, wh- while that is important and he, he's talked about, you know, the significance of those kind of individual accolades, he was asked this week about legacy. Right. What, what, what did you take away from his answer on legacy? The thing I've enjoyed about listening to him is completely owning everything. And he agreed on legacy, Rhett, especially playoff legacy that he was right. asked about, to your point. Um, success, 
be often based on championships won. And it starts with the quarterback position. Success is often based, you know, for quarterbacks on championships won a lot of times. I think success individually is much more than that. And failure, you know, on the, on the flip side of that, failure is, is not, uh, in my opinion, shouldn't be based solely on, on your losses. So I think he realizes this is the moment, right? We've heard about the last dance, this and that. Uh, yeah. I, I think after what we saw last season, as good as they were, to lose to Tom Brady in the NFC Championship game, I just think he's playing with literally nothing to lose. He understands this might be his last dance in Green Bay. And he understands and recognizes, yep, a quarterback's success is going to hinge upon, and he does have one Super Bowl, how many Super Bowls, how many championships they have. So I almost feel like he's possessed this year in a way uh, to win, to win this one. I don't feel like there's any pressure there. I don't feel like they're going to come out flat. I feel like he is in a zone, his flow state, and he realizes this is my time and I have to yeah. shine. And I don't, I think he's so extraordinary at what he does at the quarterback position and just who he is mentally. Yeah. Like he's really smart. And I just think he's dialed into this thing. Yeah, it certainly feels that way. And uh, it does feel like that he's had a somewhat different temperament um, with the media in particular, uh, or just maybe a little bit more of an openness and accessibility. Uh, it, it feels like even with the COVID restrictions that we've all been dealing with in the last two years. Um, and he did talk a little bit today about the impact that some of his teammates and coaches have had on his demeanor and the way he interacts with uh, teammates and coaches, which of course comes with age too, right? But how did you kind of observe uh, those the, the, uh, the experiences he was talking about in that fashion? Yeah, I Thomas actually brought yeah. one of them up with Joe Philbin, right? Who spent a lot of time with uh, from a coaching standpoint to player standpoint. Um, I think P- Rogers, in many respects, is misunderstood, and I think that he uh, is at a point in the last two years in which. He is literally guiding this ship with Matt, his coach. And uh, so much of what happens on the field is because of 12. And uh, I think that he has gratitude that we don't see. And I think he's just at a point if I were to, and I don't like to ever, you know, put my words in somebody else and what have you, where where he's like, this is the truth. This is who I am. And even though there was a little miscue in the truth at some point along the way, we won't get into that. But um, I I just think that he cares about his teammates. And I I know that because I've talked to them, Rhett. Like, if I went and I said to everybody at NFL Network, what kind of guy is Rhett Lewis? People love you because you're Jerk. a good person. You're, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Good, That's kind. good person, though. That yeah. that that becomes your that becomes who you are. And internally, with the Packers, talk to lots of coaches and lots of players. They love their teammate. They think he's a great leader. He, Aaron Jones, talked about it this week. How yeah. he may have expectations of you, but he's willing to lead you and guide you to get to those places. And I think AJ Dillon is a really good example of that how he's developed in pass protection and the receiving game. Really? A lot of that has to do with Rodgers and his belief in him and um, taking him under his wing is here's, here's where you need to go with this. He does it with his offensive line. Uh, and then they play hard for him. That old line plays like they, they oh, go yeah. all out for that guy. And to think about Billy Turner's been out and 
you know, who, uh, Myers, Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, yeah. Elton, all of them, and and to still achieve the results they're getting speaks to that position. So I, I just I, I think to your original question, um, he's pretty coveted in that locker room. Just lastly, because you've talked about mm-hmm. the last dance here a little bit. Do you feel like any of this peace, this flow state that he's talking about is is a result of just kind of understanding and being okay with where he is in his relationship with the Packers, even if that means it's ending this year? I think he is. I think he's very comfortable, Rhett, to your point, yeah. at where he is in his shoes. I think he's so gifted and so good now. It's like going to a Justin Timberlake concert. It's You know what you're going to get every time you watch him. You know, it's like, you know, you're going to get a yes. performance that's going to blow the joint up. Yeah. And I think Justin knows, and I'm not saying they're the same or whatever, but like, sure. I, I, I think of great musicians. I think of extraordinary musicians. What are you going to get when you go to the concert? Are you going to get a average performance or are you going to get the best? Right. I just, I, they know they're the best. Everybody knows they're the best. And um, they'll probably end up doing a world tour when they're finished. So, <laughs> you know, like last dance world tour. Let's right. do it. Oh, you never know. That's, good. that's great. It's a great way to put it, uh, Stacy. And and look, you know, the, the dance is going to continue, um, you know, for as long as they can keep themselves alive here in the postseason and march towards Super Bowl 56 here in L.A. We know that. Three other teams in the NFC North didn't have that opportunity. Lions were eliminated with first-year head coach Dan Campbell. And now the rest of the division, starting from scratch, new GMs and new head coaches in Chicago and Minnesota still to come. Also still to come on this episode of NFL Inside Report. Back here on NFL Inside Report, our Stacey Dales uh, back here with us and expertly covers uh, the NFC North and so much more uh, throughout the NFL for us. And so felt like you were the perfect person to talk to about the half of the division starting over with new decision makers in the football operations side, the personnel side, in terms of the Bears firing Ryan Pace as GM, Matt Nagy as head coach, and then the Vikings somewhat surprisingly firing GM Rick Spielman thought maybe Mike Zimmer might go. He ends up going as well. So completely new power structure there for both those franchises. Let's start with the Bears. And does the futility at quarterback ultimately come back as the origin point for why we're back at square one for Chicago? Uh, Yeah, because if you don't have the right quarterback head coach combination or coordinator combination and you lose, you don't you don't last in the NFL. It's just a cause and effect. And let me clarify, that's not to say that Justin Fields is not going to be the solution. But all of the people who tried and failed before Justin certainly led to this point as well. That's correct. That's correct. What's interesting is um, George McCaskey took over as chairman in 2011. Four head coaches have been relieved of their duties. Three GMs have been relieved of their duties. So that's a 10-year span. So when you consider that, what has the quarterback done, right? Jay Cutler, and then what? You, yeah. you bring in guys like Mike Glennon and Nick Foles and Andy Dalton, and now you draft Justin Fields in Matt well, Nagy's Trubisky, last. Trubisky, of course, was a big part And Trubisky, oh, excuse yeah. me. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, good, a great guy. How could I leave him off the list? Yeah. But I, my point being was there have been sort of a revolving door of quarterbacks and coaches. Right now, I just think the Bears, to, to your point, Rhett, on Justin Fields, like this guy has a lot of potential. Fake one way, Fields stumbling, trying to cut it back. Justin Fields, 
And that's why the George McCaskey press conference end of season exit press conference was so interesting because he never even really mentioned Justin's name. I do think that while he's going to hire, it'll be his decision on the GM and the coach. He's got to give them some freedom here. He's got to give them. He he admitted, I'm not an evaluator. I'm a fan of football. I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator. Um, And as a fan, what I see is a dynamic player. Uh, with a lot of potential, a lot of ability, a lot of heart, and a strong work ethic. So if he's not evaluating the quarterback, who is? He wants to know what kind of plan they have for Justin Fields. So we're looking for a general manager and a head coach who will develop not just the quarterback position, um, but the talent around him and establishing a strong defense to help the quarterback to bring the Bears to success. Um, Justin will not be an active part of the search process, uh, but we'll be very interested to hear from both general manager and head coach candidates what their plan is to get the most out of the quarterback position for us. And I would hope that they have a plan for him because I think he's tremendously talented. I think with the right system for him, I really believe, I mean, you you could speak on this. Yeah building a system around a quarterback, regardless of who that guy is, allows you to be successful, right? (laughs) So, you know, I just, I think that there's a lot to be determined with fields. And I think you need the perfect pairing head coach and GM and give them some freedom, but sure. Shoot. You better hope they have some stability because there's been a lot of turnover at the coaching and the GM position in Chicago and fans are frankly, because I live in this area of the country, they're, they're tired. Yeah. Is there a, I mean, like they've obviously been interviewing a ton of guys and requesting a ton of uh, both head coach and GM interviews. Whereas, you know, like in New York, they're going to hire the GM first. In Minnesota, it sounds like they're going to hire the GM first and then let the GM make the head coaching hire. It seems like mm-hmm. in Chicago, we've kind of had a bunch of both uh, p- candidates for both positions come in at kind of at the same time. Is there a formula that th- they want this thing to look like? I mean, like, have you, have you gathered anything mm-hmm. on that front? Well, based upon watching how this is process has been laid out, when you see a guy like Ed Dodds and Matt Eberflus come from Indy, or you see Joe Shane um, and Brian Models Gable of success. From, models of success, but also internally linked to that success as a, as a team. Great point. So I, I'm, all, I'm almost starting to denote that some of what the Bears are doing is they want they want a tag team combination that know each other that have a plan together. Um, But it seems counterintuitive or counterproductive to, you know, hire a head coach without first getting the GM, because to me, you just, you start there. Well, you'd like to have a good relationship, like a, like a symbiotic relationship between those two people, since they're going to be linked in almost every decision that's made. Yeah. Yeah. And also the other interesting wrinkle here is Bill Polian's involved, right? He's been hired as a consultant. He's obviously had a great deal of success, success both with the aforementioned Bills and, and historically and the Colts. Um, he's won Super Bowl. Uh, you know, he's he's hired great head coaches, i.e., Tony Dungy. Like, um, but where do you, where does that lie in terms of your investment? Right. I think Bill Pullian is somebody as I've watched over the years has integrity and you know, it strikes me as somebody who wants to always do the right thing for the team. He's not a Chicago bear after this. 
So, you know, I, I'm just, I'm curious, I'll be curious to see how much that impacts his, his presence impacts the decision-making process along the way. But again, they got to strike, they've got to strike gold. And uh, the other interesting part of it is, you know, George was asked, are you going to involve, you know, Justin Fields in this? And you can laugh at this. You might not, but if this is the quarterback of your future, you know, shouldn't, you know, you have an idea of what he likes, at least sitting down with him and saying, what kind of offense do you like? Do you want to be a traditional pocket passer? Do you want to, do you want to be more of a, a Josh Allen? Do you want to be a Kyler Murray? Like what, what do you, what are you looking for? And how can we marry this thing for success? Now I look at Minnesota, right? And I look at yeah. the quarterback situation with Kirk. And here's a veteran quarterback a decade in. And what's really interesting is his best season of his entire career was in 2019. First yep. playoff win, I think, right? Um, they go 10 and 5. And if that's the best season in your career and they don't have success... How, what are you, how are they going to be looking at the quarterback position in terms of the new GM and the new head coach? Um, because a lot of people are, you know, up or down on Kirk Cousins outside of his brilliant numbers. I mean, the guy can, he can dance out there with the football, yeah. but you know, he's got talent. There's a lot of talent in Minnesota. Uh, I, when I look at their roster, I'm thinking like Justin Jefferson and Westbrook and Delvin Cook and Madison, like oh my god, yeah, they got talent for days on that uh, roster. The defense has to be way better, yeah. but how does Kirk Cousins fit into that long term picture of a new GM and head coach? Big part, big part of it. I mean, because it's in some way, shape, or form, you're going to be tied to the decision to either keep him or cut him, one way or another, and for mm-hmm. better or worse, like you're you're going to be tied to that decision. And then I'll bring this back here as we kind of bring the Packers back into the fold. Um, they're the gold standard in the division, right? And have been for the last, you know, two decades, whatever it is. Um, and so I, I remember talking um, when, the, when the Lions drafted and Dominican Sue and the rest of the division saw how dominant Sue was. It felt like teams in the division were going out and drafting to try to stop Sue, right? I mean, we saw Kyle Long drafted from the Chicago Bears to you know, be kind of that nasty force in the interior of the offensive line. It feels like, I mean, like if I'm the Bears and the Vikings, I got to be thinking, what am I doing to beat the Packers? Because the quickest way to the playoffs is to win the division. Right. You know what well, I mean? Well, you said not, you, I love this, because, but you might not even have to worry about it because is Aaron Rodgers going to be that, there next well, year? Well, that's true. Gonna, that's true. Jordan Love's going to be the quarterback. And now yeah. the conversation is completely different. Yeah. Now, if he stays, it's it's like when Tom Brady went to the NFC South. <laughs> that's right. Well, Drew, Drew Brees retired and Tom has, you know, been hey, the mainstay of Right. He's like, I'm going down south. I'm going to get into the sun and the weather and the Florida, you know, scene. And uh, this is my division now. Yeah. (laughs) So now now Josh Allen runs the EAFC East. So (laughs) correct. Correct. So I'm but I I like what you just said, though, about, you know, know, as far as inheriting quarterbacks, um, because Mitch Trubisky was inherited in Chicago. Great point. And that wasn't Nagy's guy. Right. So so this is a really complicated, messy, dicey thing. And yeah. you also can look at the way things ended for Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. Yeah. It was weird, you know, doing some sort of a meeting with his players about and I I've always been a Mike Zimmer fan. Um, you know, a, a PowerPoint or something on all the miscues that have happened to him along the way and the 
reported an alleged disgruntled nature between he and Rick Spielman and who's also yeah. been there for so long. Yeah. There's just a lot of culture to clean up, Rhett. And you know, having been an athlete, and yeah. I understand having been an athlete, culture is everything. 100%. And until you get your your new your new staff better be culturally bound from where they come from or where they were uh, at having a reputation for good culture. So you think of a guy like Dan Quinn. Yeah, he 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 declined a little bit when he was in Atlanta, but he always had a good culture. Yeah. So I'm I'm all about what's the culture? How are you going to develop the quarterback? Let's start there. And that's what these teams in this division, the, the, this NFE, NFC North need to do. And yeah. you look at the Detroit Lions, they they hired Dan Campbell to change culture more than anything. So we'll, we'll see. Well, uh, Stacey, uh, it's been a blast uh, getting uh, caught up on the NFC North with you and getting set for this uh, fantastic playoff matchup between the Packers and the 49ers. Stay warm. Look forward to your reporting on Saturday. Thanks, Rep. And that's going to do it for this episode of NFL Inside Report. Reminder to download, rate, and review our show on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your pods. We certainly appreciate it. Sure hope you enjoyed Divisional Weekend in the NFL as we got four fantastic games starting on Saturday with the Bengals and the Titans and finishing up Sunday night with the Bills and the Chiefs. Look forward to recapping all of it with you next week. Three more episodes of NFL Inside Report coming your way. For producers Thomas Warren and Tim Parachka, I'm your host, Rhett Lewis. We'll catch you next time. NFL Inside Report is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more official podcasts from the NFL, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.